Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Try to take a seat. Wow, I cannot see a person. I've never sat before. Usually I I stand, but I found uh, being on my feet for long periods of time is not uh, beneficial in the long run these days. Um, So, but I, is there a way to dim those lights or that's really where I'm living? It's like in the spotlight. (laughs) I don't know what it looks like to you guys. It's probably just helps you see my best side, but I can't see you at all. So this morning though, um, it's good to be here. The last uh, time I got to share from God's word with you was uh, this winter when we were uh, going through our Advent series and I was telling Shannon the other week that um, at that point I was very early in my pregnancy and I, we hadn't really told many people yet and I was struggling real hard through the, uh, the morning sickness um, and just it was everything just to get through the moment uh, and not want to uh, be sick. So I, all in all, grateful to uh, be this far along and uh, the only uh, thing that I'm getting through is just sitting a little bit. So um, excited to be here with you this morning. Um, Looking uh, through the lectionary, this is the fifth Sunday uh, after Easter or Easter 5. It's interesting how they title it. And uh, we're going to speak or read from, learn from the gospel passage um, from the book of John. Um, We're going to be reading in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, if you want to turn in your Bibles or open your electronic device to that. Um, If you don't want to do either, you can just uh, put on your listening ears and hear. Um, listening ears. I sound like I'm talking to my children. I apologize. Um, it's funny with them though when I say that I, I like I say I really I really need you to be listening now. And my uh, almost three year old she like I am listening. Like she's been listening all along when she obviously has not. So hopefully your listening ears actually mean you're attuned to uh, what is being said this morning. So. Again, we're reading from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. The section title um, is The Vine and the Branches, and it says, I am the true vine, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Just to give a little context, it's leading up to the farewell address before the week of uh, Passover and all the things that were to come. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the title of my message this morning is called Staying Connected. It helps to have connections. Everybody knows it's true. There's that old adage, it's it's not what you know, but who you know that makes a difference. In 1982, there was a wonderful book, which was later turned into a powerful motion picture titled Schindler's List. You may be interested in how this book first came to be published. A shopkeeper named Leopold Page was a survivor of the Holocaust. He survived through the efforts of one man, Oscar Schindler, a Roman Catholic 
who saved not only his life, but the lives of 900 of his fellow Jews. Page was determined to find a writer who would be interested in telling the story of Oscar Schindler. One day a novelist, Thomas Kennelly, came to Page's shop to buy a briefcase, and Page told him his story. Kennelly was intrigued and agreed to commit Schindler's story to print. What resulted was the story of a man who helped hundreds of Jews escape certain death at the hands of the Nazis. The book was dedicated to Oscar Schindler. The book and the movie, which won seven Oscars, including Best Picture, more than fulfilled Page's lifelong dream. I didn't know how I would do this, Page had said, but I promised Oscar Schindler I would make him a household name, and he did. Leopold Page was number 173 of Oscar Schindler's list. He was 173 of the 900 who were spared death at the hand of the Nazis thanks to Oscar. Leopold Page was a shopkeeper, shopkeeper not a writer, but his commitment to his friend led him to connect with people who could bring his dream to reality. It's important in life to have connections. If you don't have connections, then it's important to make those connections. Not to fight it, but to make prudent use of this adage, it's not what you know, but who you know. And this morning I want to focus on the question of how connected are you to Jesus? By staying connected to Jesus, we know our broken commandments, our sins, they're forgiven, erased from God's ledger book. By staying connected to Jesus and his resurrection from the grave and death, we are assured of our own resurrection. Jesus himself did not stay in the safe immunity of heaven, remote from human sin and pain. He actually entered into our world at his birth in Bethlehem. He emptied himself of his glory, enduring the same temptations, experiencing the same sorrows, and was obedient to crucifixion and death. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb whose holy blood offered on the cross removed our broken commandments from the just judgment of God. And this was God's plan from the beginning of creation. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God's commandment, they accepted the lie of Satan that it would make themselves equal with God. It was a lie. Their world was radically changed. Peace and harmony with each other peace and harmony with their creator was lost. They became afraid. They tried to avoid responsibility, which only created another problem between them. They did not go looking for God. He had to come looking for them. He offered them forgiveness because he still loved them. When Jesus rose physically from death and the grave, it guaranteed all the promises of God, forgiveness to every believer, and eternal life. In Colossians 2.14, it talks about that because Jesus nailed our broken commandments to his cross and left them there, our impending death is still the last enemy, but it has lost its power to harm or terrify. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Our soul is eternal, for it will be resurrected when Jesus returns in glory. But until that moment when we meet our God in the new heaven and the new earth, what are we to be doing? Jesus wants his disciples to know that there is purpose in Christian life. If Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then the fruit of the Christian life is the good deeds that flow from love. For as I know, I believe Pastor Sam talked in the last couple of weeks about God being love and just like you can't. There's no way that you can be in relationship with God and be close to him and not be just overflowing with love. Like, 
It just isn't possible. God himself is love, and we are called to imitate him. Our purpose is to do good deeds that he has prepared for us in advance to do. When Jesus spoke about the vineyards, the people of Judea knew what he was talking about. It was an industry that had been carefully cultivated throughout the country for centuries. It was crucial because it was a cash crop as opposed to grain, which was raised purely for consumption. In early America, the essential crop was corn, because you needed the corn to eat, to live, but the cash crop was tobacco. It was therefore vital to the economy of the land. But there is something else that these listeners, his disciples, would most certainly know. A vineyard was the symbol of the nation. In America, we might think of amber waves of grain, but in Judea, they thought of their nation as a vineyard. It was kind of a national identity. Over and over again in the Old Testament, Israel is pictured as the vine or the vineyard of God. Isaiah the prophet pictured Israel as the vineyard of God. He said, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. In Jeremiah, we read God referring to his chosen people in this way, I planted you as a choice vine. Hosea spoke a word of judgment when he said, Israel has become an empty vine. In the Psalms, we read that God compares Israel to a vine that came out of Egypt. Jesus said, I am the vine. The fruit-bearing branches are the disciples. God, the farmer, who is the one who cultivates the vineyard, he waters and tends the soil so that the vine is properly nourished. He takes pride in his crop. But this means he also prunes the vine and removes the dead wood so that the grapes will grow on the new branches. Leonard Sweet said, No one likes the process of pruning and the pain of loss, but fruit only grows on new wood. What Jesus is saying is clear. The disciples receive their strength by staying connected to Jesus. He is the true vine. If they break away from him, they will be like unproductive branches bearing no fruit. Thus, they will be pruned out. How can you tell a pear tree? By the fruit that it bears. How can you tell an apple tree? By the fruit that it bears. How can you tell a Christian? By the fruit he or she bears. It's as simple as that. The fruit of the vine is not church attendance or biblical knowledge or your individual stewardship. The true fruit of the vine is a loving and compassionate life. It all comes down to how do you treat other people? That is the simple, that is as simple and as direct as it can be put. The first fruit that the Apostle Paul mentions in Galatians 5 is love. The second is joy, then follows peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I was writing this, it took everything not to break into song. Um, we, uh, one of my son's favorite songs that he sang on repeat for pretty much a solid year was the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so... Uh, it's now playing through my head, so I'm sorry if I get into a little rap zone. It was like, got love, joy, peace, patience. You know, it's a good way to remember them, though. Um, so anyway, you and I cannot produce these traits on our own because they are we, as humans by nature, are self-centered. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to imitate Jesus and thus have these character traits visible to and experienced by others. Jesus says to us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
The number one fruit a Christian is to produce is love. Because God is love. Reverend John Stott wrote, Love is the principle, the paramount, the distinguishing characteristic of the people of God. Nothing can dislodge nor replace it. Love is supreme. When love is on display, the result will be joy and peace. Joy and peace are the byproducts of love. God gives them to us, not when we pursue them, but when we pursue Jesus and others in love. James, the brother of Jesus, later wrote, Show me your love, not with words, but with deeds. It is our responsibility as disciples, followers of Jesus, to stay connected to him through prayer, by worship, and reading his word. Jesus said, you must abide in me and my words in you. To stay connected, we need a listening ear. Husbands, how many times have you heard your wife say, are you listening to me? Anything? Nothing? No husbands? We've not heard that? Okay, well, there's a reason. Because wives know, and I think husbands do too, but that marriage needs communication. Relationships need communication to be successful. If we're not listening to each other, the result is misunderstanding, suspicions, resentment. There's all kinds of things that can happen if we're not hearing what the other person is saying. If we're not not only hearing, but if the other person isn't talking. So to stay connected to Jesus, we must listen to his voice. I love the story of Philip in Acts 8. We know that angels are messengers of the Lord, and Luke tells us that an angel told Philip to go south on the road that leads away from Jerusalem towards Gaza, so Philip just started walking. We are not told how far nor how long he walked. There was a good deed that God had prepared in advance for Philip to do. He just didn't know what the rest of the story was. He started walking as an act of faith. So the Spirit told Philip to go near the man riding in a chariot and stay near it. Philip was not told why. But Philip listened to the voice of the Spirit, approached the chariot, and he listened. He hears the words the man in the chariot was reading. And then here's the rest of the story. Philip asked a question. He says, do you understand what you are reading? The answer is plain. How can I, unless someone explains it to me? So Philip did explain it to him. They spent time together, and eventually the Ethiopian that was in the chariot was baptized. And Philip's good deed was done. Love tells the story of Jesus. Love gives food to the hungry, shelter to the homeless, help to those who have lost homes or goods in a fire, earthquake, or flood. Love gives friendship to the lonely, comfort to those who are sad. To truly abide in love is to open ourselves to the cleansing, pruning work of God's love among us. To ask ourselves again and again, how can we love more in the way that Christ loves us? Again, to ask ourselves again and again, How can we love more in the way that Christ loves us? How can we bear more of these fruits? How can we draw closer to each other? How can we close the distance between ourselves and others? And when we do, when we ask those questions, the promise, the mystery of our faith is that we'll discover that we're already connected to Jesus. How we are already branches of the vine and we are called to draw others to it. The worship team is going to come and lead us in a closing song in Christ alone. And as we sing, I encourage you to open your hearts to how the Spirit is speaking to you this morning about how and how you can be more connected to Him. Um, I was joking this morning as uh, 
Shannon's daughter, Keely, was heading off to kids' church. Uh, she didn't want to leave, or she didn't want to go without her mom taking her. And I, I made the comment, does that mean the, like, when children are small, they, they really like their parents. Oftentimes, it's really their moms. They're like, uh, they're, an, a, a leech is a, a negative connotation, but um, they um, are constantly attached to you. They want to be with you wherever you are, um, even if you're going to the bathroom or taking a shower, or just running, like, they, they want to be with you. Um, when my husband came this morning and brought my kids, the, the first thing, uh, my daughter comes up and says, Mommy, I want you. She didn't want me for anything particular thing. She just wanted me. She wanted me to be in her presence and basically to do whatever it is that she wanted to do. Um, and I think that's as... Uh, Trivialism may seem as funny as parents and not feeling like um, our children will ever let go of our leg. That's the kind of love and um, desire that God wants to see in us. That he wants us to be so much wanting his presence that we're, every time we have the opportunity, we're grabbing hold of his leg and saying, I want you, I, I, I want to be with you, I, I want to feel loved by you and experience you. And, um, and that's kind of, it's life-changing. You think about how comforting, like, our kids aren't doing it to be annoying. Our kids are doing it because it's a comfort to them, that we're, we're a safe spot for them, and they feel safe, and they feel loved when they're with us. And that, like, that's what God wants from us. God wants us to know that, that that's the place, that, that when we abide with him, when we attach ourselves to him, that he, he will give us that love, and he will give us that love for the sake of us, but also for the sake of others. So as we spend this time in worship, um, the, the closing song this morning is In Christ Alone, um, and it's the idea that like, everything is found in that relationship we have in Christ. Our hope, our joy, our peace, our love, everything that defines our life, everything that gives us life is found there. And so I I just encourage you to open your hearts this morning to what God may be speaking to you as he draws us to himself. The call this morning is to abide. The call is to be connected to our one true source of life and the source of love that should overflow from our hearts and connect us to the world around us. Go in his peace and the fullness of his love this morning. Mm -hmm.